views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Abolitionist Radio. It is February the 2nd. We're in the second month of the new year, 2020. Hope that the sound of my voice finds you safe and sound, as well as you can be behind the enemy lines of USA, Inc. Um, New Abolitionist Radio is an award-winning podcast. We started in 2012 to bring awareness to legalized slavery and human trafficking in the United States, which was preserved by the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. You know, I still come across articles that mention the 13th Amendment abolished slavery and, you know, just just no awareness whatsoever about the exception clause, you know, except as a punishment for crime. So, um, point in fact, the United States has never totally abolished slavery but just changed the format from a plantation environment to a prison environment. Um, of course, this issue is often inadequately referred to as mass incarceration. You know, I, I, I can live with people calling in, calling it that, but really, it's a continuation of slavery through prisons, jails, and detention facilities. And the mistreatment of those incarcerated constitute very severe human rights violations, uh, especially per the Universal Declaration of Human Rights as it prohibits all forms of slavery. So the 13th Amendment falls short of the uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which the United States signed on to, I believe it was in 1948. It was shortly after World War II uh, through the efforts of Eleanor Roosevelt, who led, I I think that woman doesn't get enough credit um, for what she was doing in terms of equal rights and and pushing for human rights for all. I I really don't think Eleanor Roosevelt gets enough credit for that. Um, But so tonight we will be joined, hopefully we'll be joined in conversation by Sister Kendra, who will be on to discuss the loathsome conditions of the NYC jail system under prison slavery. She has a fiance, Al Fatah, who has been back and forth between jail facilities for well over a year on wrongful charges, and he's facing brutal repression. He's currently in solitary confinement, which, according to 
um, you know, doctors and, and what have you, and, and recognized by the international health community that solitary confinement is torture. You know, and over the past few weeks, I've been highlighting Bernie Sanders' platform and specifically the Prisoner Bill of Rights, which recognizes um, that solitary confinement is slavery. Now, there's also a fundraising uh, going on. I mean, solitary confinement is recognized as torture. Um, but there is a fundraising for him, and we've linked to that page for tonight's uh, promo page for for the broadcast. And also, Tag, who, who is joining us this week, is going to bring us up to date on protest against the subway slave catchers of NYC. You may have been seeing reports of demonstrations and whatnot in, in news media, although I haven't seen, you know, uh, any kind of substantial coverage in the mainstream media, but I have been seeing, you know, individuals putting out information via social social media. And so TAG has been a part of those protests up there against the subway slave catchers, and he'll fill, bring us up to date on what's going on. With uh, Speaking of TAG, let's go ahead and, and bring him into the conversation. What's going on, young man? What's doing, Brother Scotty? Uh, to the sisters and brothers on the inside, salute, and, and to all the abolitionists to be discussing with you. Well, while we wait on Kendra, let's go ahead and, and just jump right into these protests that you've been a part of and um, give us some background on what the nature of the demonstrations is about. No question. No question. So, yeah, there's, there's been, as you said, you know, a series of demonstrations and, and actions throughout the city in recent months and Essentially, they're coming out of, you know, the, the longstanding uh, refusal from the community to accept, you know, the, the total police environment that, that they're really pushing hard for uh, in this city and in cities, you know, across the country and in various areas all across the country and elsewhere. So, uh, so really just, just sustaining, you know, that, that sense of resistance to that kind of uh, repressive atmosphere. And, you know, uh, some of the recent moves, for example, you know, the pushing from the governor to get hundreds more slave patrollers uh, inside the subways uh, being a, a major uh, flashpoint for, for a lot of heads out here. Um, and, and just, you know, the attempts to turn the subway even more into just a completely confined uh totally surveilled and, and slave patrollered out environment, you know, and we see that uh, through countless instances, you know, has, has, you know, looking to sell churros in the train station to, you know, to eat and to, you know, to live, um, getting harassed and arrested, um, has getting harassed and arrested for, you know, for not being able to afford to get on the train or the bus or what have you. And um, people getting literally having slave patrollers, pulling, pulling uh, their, their weapons out and, and, you know, just completely terrorizing heads for, you know, for things that didn't even occur, um, but just off of the belief that something happened, you know. So that's, that's what the actions have been about, um, you know, under the, under the banner of FTP. And um, it's been, you know, numerous organizations and, and groups, collectives, and just individuals that are 
that are tired of that kind of uh, repression from from the the you know most concentrated slave patroller uh, force in in this country in in slave patroller central U.S. Yeah, I, I mistakenly said that there hasn't been much uh, coverage from the mainstream media, but I just did a, a quick Google search on the NYC subway protests, and I'm actually seeing you know quite a few uh, reports, um, but some of them. And I, you know, especially coming from the New York Post, you know, they they are name calling the protesters and and portraying them as a bunch of cop haters and uh, threatening, you know, the city with a day of chaos. And but let's um, listen to this report, see how CBS uh, covered it. Um, They they issued a report a couple of days ago, uh, actually just two days ago. So it has been getting some, well, I don't know if this is uh, national coverage here because this is CBSN, which is a CBS affiliate out of New York. So I still have not seen anything in terms of like MSNBC or 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 ABC or, or anything on television uh, in terms of cable. Although I don't watch that, I do, you know, uh, check, check up on what they're putting out over the web, but this is a, a report that came out of CBS in in New York just uh, two days ago. A massive protest leads to numerous arrests around Midtown. The protest is being led by an anti-police group that wants free subway rides and no officers patrolling the trains. CBS New York's Ali Bauman is at Grand Central Terminal where all the action was happening a few hours ago. Ali, looks like it's calmed down at least a bit, right? It's calmed down a little bit, Dick. The protesters were in here for about 45 minutes before they marched out into the street and into the Bryant Park subway station headed for Brooklyn. For the last few days, protest leaders have been encouraging people online to sabotage the transit system throughout the day on Friday, culminating in tonight's protest. Now, police were struggling to hold back elbow-to-elbow protesters on the main floor of Grand Central Terminal. The group arrived here shortly after 5 p.m., many wearing masks, carrying anti-police posters, trying to hang banners in the terminal and disrupt the evening commute. This group has been encouraging people to skip fares and damage turnstiles throughout the day today. The group says it wants no subway fares, no police in the MTA, free transit for everyone, no harassment, and full accessibility for all riders. The NYPD has been aware of this protest, and in preparation, they increased patrols at subway stations all around the city today with heavily armed officers at every entrance of Grand Central. I saw all the police officers, and I get concerned, as I said, both of my sons are police officers in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and um, I definitely am concerned for all of them. I'm concerned for the people on both sides. Most of the people that are getting arrested in the subways are houseless people uh, and people who are jumping the fare because they can't afford it. These issues are affecting actual lives, uh, and I think it deserves more compassion and understanding why police presence can be really dangerous for a lot of people. And after leaving Grand Central, protesters moved to the subway where many are jumping the turnstiles as they continue along their route headed to Brooklyn. In a statement, the MTA chief safety officer said the agency has zero tolerance for any actions that threaten the safety of the public and the employees and impede service for millions of customers. Now, police said, have said that there, there have been numerous arrests so far tonight here at Grand Central and around the city, but at this point, they do not have an exact count. From Grand Central Terminal, Ali Bauman. All right, Tag, so 
how do you judge that coverage? And I noticed when they kept saying that they're anti-police, but um, I didn't see any anti-police uh, banners. I saw a banner being hung that said that poverty shouldn't be a crime, you know, things like that. So, I mean, what's your take on that particular spin? It's it's just extremely it's it's the standard you know that's that's par for the course with with these you know with the whole corporate media apparatus locally and nationally you know so I hadn't I hadn't seen that report but you know everything everything that I heard you know is more in keeping with what I've come to expect as far as just taking taking more or less the the position of of these slave patrollers and you know. Uh, threats to public safety, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as, as, as they mentioned, you know, the, the heavy presence of slave patrollers was certainly jarring and you could see it, you know, um, on the video that they show and, and it's, and it's what, you know, has out here see every single day. And, and that's why people are, you know, um, have had enough of, of this. So, so, you know, I hear, I hear more of the same. They, they are a part of what supports and maintains uh, prison slavery and, and you know, uh, 13th Amendment uh, slavery and all the tactics involved in that, you know, as you, as you well know and report on, uh, you know, constantly, if it weren't for the media apparatus, these, these slave patrollers would have much less impunity to, to operate under. So, I mean, you know, I, w- I would just point toward any of the countless examples, even from recent weeks and months, as far as uh, as far as NYPD um, impunity and just the, the, the recklessness with which they behave and the brutality that that, you know, that they bring to communities and the suffering that they bring to communities. So, you know, for them to try and spin um, heads being outraged by constantly being, you know, having having the the boot of this this huge slave patroller posse on their on their collective neck uh for them to try and spin that as as you know just you know hooligans or however they're they're basically trying to make it out like like has just want something for free has just don't want to you know have to do anything you hear things like you know get a job or whatever whatever it's it's a complete misrepresentation and and it's a lot of uh it's a smokescreen you know, so that so that those that do watch the evening news, you know, religiously or whatever, get this totally false impression and are, you know, more scared of their own neighbors and, and family members, you know, um, than than the ones that are killing well over a thousand people uh, every single year. You know, um, it seemed like uh, the demonstrations were pretty well attended um how uh, were you part of um you know these large groups that was at the main terminal so i was not at that at that terminal um i i was uh out there um while all of this was occurring and and you know definitely uh faced uh, some of 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 that uh brutality that you know i just mentioned and you know as far as just you know how how they were were um, how they were geared toward the community at large, whether heads were involved or not. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so I was not there at the at that um, at Grand Central, but I was present uh, that night and and um, you know experienced the the other side of what that report uh, didn't really um, bring out with their interviews of 
you know, direct relatives of slave patrollers, et cetera. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, the presence, the, the presence um, with regard to the people was, was strong, but, um, you know, it didn't take long before slave patrollers were, were attacking people, arresting people unnecessarily and doing everything, everything that they could, you know, basically to, to disconnect people and, and, and keep, you know, the message from getting out there that, that has we're looking to express. The Friday evening rush hour becomes peak protest time at Grand Central. Hundreds of demonstrators walk around the main concourse as commuters make their way to the trains. MTA police detained 11 people. We're standing and they are just pushing through us 50 and 60 at a time. This is the third time a day of action has been organized since the summer to protest policing in the transit system and call for free transit. They have money to pay cops. They, they have money to pay debt service, but they don't have money to make uh, the subway usable or accessible. And um, having 500 more cops doesn't make the subway accessible. On Instagram, it began with a video post earlier this week. Word spread and an account called Decolonize This Place documented the day. Pictures show doors chained open and crowds in the Bronx and Brooklyn. Acts of vandalism were reported around the system at turnstiles and on subway walls. Just trying to make sure that people can have their rights protected in case they get picked up by the police today or any other day. You know, we're out here um, protesting today, but there are these things that are happening. This is an issue that happens every single day in our communities around the city. And so we want to make sure that people have their rights protected and have access to a lawyer. Social media was flooded with comments. Some people were supportive of the attention to criminal justice reform, but some other riders just wanted to get home safely. It's inappropriate. It's very... Uncalled for. Their planned actions did not, however, cause any disruptions to train service. What it does cause is a danger to millions of New Yorkers and commuters who ride the trains and the cops who keep them safe. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to leave it there. I mean, he just said a contradictory statement when he says, oh, it, it caused no disruptions to, to the service, but it caused danger. I mean, how do you even jive those two words to, in, in the same sentence? And I'm I'm glad that you played that, brother Scotty, because it just it just helps to point out what I peeped a lot of, with which seems to be you know a major part of their tactic right now, which is to to portray heads that have you know righteous indignation and concerns and are struggling against a completely you know uh, uh, a a completely a, an institution that is just given all of the monetary support carte blanche throughout the city, you know, um, those, those individuals are being portrayed as though they're, they're causing the problems that face people throughout the city. And that's, that that's a tactic that they've been really pushing for to make it seem like heads are a nuisance. Like, like, uh, like everyone doesn't have to deal with all the constant delays in the subway especially if you live in the areas, you know, where, where heads have the least access to, to resources, where you're most likely, you know, um, going to be pressed to be able to, to get on the train when you need to or, or have you. So it's a, it's a complete contradiction. I've seen a lot of that where they would, would try and make it seem like, oh, well, this is happening to you uh, because of these, these bad guys. If it weren't for, if it weren't for you know, um, people advocating for you know for human rights and and wanting to stop being abused and targeted then you would you would have a, a smooth ride and everything would be perfect so 
they're trying to juggle, you know, um, something that's that's is too contradictory to ignore. Anybody that takes the subway or any public transport knows that that's an unreliable space, you know, start to finish. And how cost prohibited, you know, um, and I do have a video I want to play so we can uh, relay the audio um, because there are some nations that have free transit. And that seems to be from me looking at the videos, looking at the signs and and hearing what, you know, we only heard from a few people. But it seems the overall thing that is attempting to address is poverty and freedom of movement. No doubt. Absolutely. Which, you know, which goes hand in hand with prison slavery. You know, you don't you don't have that freedom of movement if, if you're in a holding cell or, you know, in, at Rikers or what have you, because you had to hop the turnstile or or for whatever reason. And at the same time, you know, this question of poverty. So it's, it's cyclical, as we know, you know, heads are getting targeted in areas that have been impoverished. And so the same ones that benefit from impoverishing these areas and neglect these areas don't make the updates that are needed, don't provide the resources that are needed and put heads in a position to end up, you know, having their freedom of movement uh, denied them and restricted completely. And so they just further, they, they're just furthering that, that uh, poverty, that impoverishment you're talking about. So the question of inequality is, is right there in the center of this, you know, and whoever's, you know, running these uh, propaganda segments on CBS and all of the rest of them, you know, they have a, a real monetary clear interest in maintaining and sharpening that inequality. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I, this just leads us into the larger question. I'm, I know that you, you're pretty much aware of uh, the push for like free public uh, uh, college tuition where, you know, you it's not really free. I think that when, when you say free, people think that there's no cost whatsoever. Um, but yeah, there there are creative ways that it can be paid for. And, you know, when I think about Sanders College for All, that's going to be paid for by um, a tax on Wall Street transactions. And, you know, speaking of Wall Street and speaking of New York, I mean, New York could actually come up with a creative way to tax, you know, being one of the major banking centers in in and especially with Wall Street being there, um, a way to make public transit, you know, more affordable or, or even free, you know, for most of the citizens that use it. So, you know, Luxembourg is getting uh, set to make all public transportation uh, free. And this is uh, we be independent in, in the UK. So let's give it a listen. So people can, you know, get this ideal in, in their head that a lot of stuff, uh, when it comes to public, you know, uh, uh, services and what have you, um, people around the world in different nations, they have found a way to, you know, uh, pay for it and let it be a benefit to all and, and not just those who can pay. So, but here's that report. Let me pull it up. Rail. If I can get it to play correctly, let's see. Travel is a great thing to do anywhere in Europe, but in Luxembourg, 
it will soon become very special indeed. That's because the new coalition government, which is made up of left-wing, centre-left and green members of parliament, have decided that they are going to abolish fares on all public transport. This is due to happen in the summer. This, um, man, I, I want... I might, 2019. Yeah, it's, get, it's giving me some trouble. So let me just read this um, particular report. I apologize for that. I'm on the Independent UK website, and um, that video is pretty much dragging. It says, while rail travelers in Britain prepare for tickets to cost 3.1% more in 2019, Luxembourg is set to become the first country in the world to abolish all fares on public transport. A new coalition government taking office um, with, has a promise of abolishing tickets on trains, trams, and buses next summer. At present, fares are capped at a low level. Um, let me see. I think that's pounds for up to two hours of travel. Two pounds for up to two hours of travel. I'm not sure that's pounds. Um, it might be Luxembourg, simply, uh, which in a small nation covers almost any journey. Luxembourg's area is 999 square miles, almost the same as Oxfordshire. Anyone who wants to include first-class rail pays um, a dollar more. Um, an all-day second-class ticket of every form of public transportation costs $4. Young people travel free and many commuters qualify for an annual impasse um, for all public transport. Um, let me see. Luxembourg's transport system costs close to $1 billion per year to operate, but partly as a result of concessionary concessionary offers fares amount to only three million annually um so i guess they are the first nation uh that will move to abolish that let me ask you this tag about new york subway system do they offer any kind of discount rating for uh, um low-income residents so as of very recently they have started to very slowly roll out a program that they, they're calling a quote unquote fair fares. And it's, you know, it's something, but as, as anyone would have expected that's familiar with, you know, how they get down with regard to the MTA and the rest of these, you know, uh, city agencies and, and how they correspond with the state. It's, it's far from enough. It's, it's a, uh, you know, a whole, slew of, of red tape if you're if you're looking to qualify for that furthermore you know um what has been pointed pointed toward um to me as 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 is again basically across the board the case with with these kinds of uh with with any sort of public resources that they end up allotting after you know be, after struggle after being essentially uh forced to to do so um, they're 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 looking for it as another avenue for further surveillance, for further you know hoops that you have to jump through, uh, etc. So that's you know that's that's the program that they that they have now. They they rolled it out very you know very from from when they had announced that it was it was to go into effect, and it still doesn't apply to nearly um, nearly those who who would need it immediately much less the fact that, that 
you know, we shouldn't have to be uh, paying for this in general, given the kind of service that that they provide, given the, the, the you know, flow of currency that are going through um, this, this city um, all the time. And again, the rampant inequality uh, that that is represented uh, through the through the entire MTA system. So that's 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 their kind of um, response to to longstanding pressure. Is this is this very uh, meager um, a, a attempt to to kind of uh, at least show that they're aware um, of the issues that that has been you know making them aware of for years and years. And furthermore, they continue to raise the fares. So, you know, even if you provide this this service, you know, to uh, far too small a sector of the population, meanwhile, you're raising the fares. Meanwhile, you know, there are hidden ways that they're that they're also uh, making it more difficult for, for heads to be able to afford transportation, including just cutting out basically with with no uh, kind of uh, announcement that I see um, cutting out the, the discounts for fares um, when you when you get uh, a large number or, you know, a certain number of, of trips uh, that you purchase at once, there was a time when they were, you know, when that, that meant that it was a, at a refunded rate where you would at least get some sort of, uh, you know, something back for, for paying for more, uh, more fares at once. Uh, you no longer see that. So they're always looking for, for ways to take back what they what they claim to provide on that end now this actually new york isn't the only city that's seen these type of protests um you know i'm reading about seattle this this took place in um seattle on a black uh friday the puget sound anarchists and other activists staged a fair strike on local light rail although their effort uh, may have had a bigger impact uh, had the BECU not sponsor free fares for the Apple Cup at UW on that very day. So um seems like they made it free for a special event. Um, it talks about Olympia, uh, which is in Washington, is one of several cities and towns across the U.S., including Kansas City and Park City, Utah, that have recently stopped charging for public transit. Besides the inherent benefits of getting people out of cars, and I'm just thinking climate change here, you know, for a second, and onto buses for both the environment and reducing traffic. Authorities in Olympia hope to increase ridership, speed up service, and attract new business in the area of Olympian reports. Ending fares in Olympia will make little difference to the agency's bottom line. Fares net less than 2% of the agency's revenue, while at the same time the outdated fare collection boxes need to be replaced, which the agency says would cost at least $1 million. So free transit in Olympia will hopefully make the system more accessible and popular while costing very little. It just makes sense. So the point of me bringing that up is that, you know, this seems to be um, a movement across the country. And... I have to note, you know, um, when I'm reading about Olympia and I'm reading about places like Seattle are pushing for this, I cannot help but think about race and how these are predominantly white states and predominantly white cities as opposed to the more diverse population there in New York. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 
is quite clear when when you're thinking about it in in terms of just the distribution on on that kind of basis. I mean, this is think about it in terms of just how how something like what's referred to as gentrification or, or the racial displacement that goes on out here, which you see on a constant basis here, and it's directly related to questions of of uh, you know public transportation and all of that, just how property value is is decided, you know, and 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 calculated, you know. So it absolutely it it it's, it strikes me constantly that that this is uh, in large part. Uh, put in 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 these uh, in this color basis and 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 this you know um, that that coloration and racialization clearly factor in to how they go about making these policy decisions. Who ends up you know uh, benefiting from these policy de- uh, you know decisions? Uh, just just thinking about it in terms of of some of the demonstrations that have gone on you know, across the world, also around uh, questions of transportation and fare hikes like Chile, you know, um, and, and in other places. It, it it seems clear to me that this question of, you know, uh, range of motion um, is directly connected to, to how racialization is enacted um, and, and how and how enslavement, you know, um, factors into to all of that. And, and you know, the need uh, for those who want to maintain systems Around slavery, to to be able to dictate, you know, who who is afforded uh, a certain level of uh, a certain range of motion and certain levels of, of you know, so to speak, uh, free movement, you know, and who is not, and who who finds themselves in in spots where even just getting getting there, you know, through their commute or getting to uh, a a class or uh, a job uh, interview or what have you. That even even those you know seemingly just straightforward processes you know have to become a, a whole dilemma. Much less uh, all of the heads who who um, have no place to to go, who are in the the subway system, constantly being harassed by these you know slave patrollers and their increasing presence there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna take a station identification break. Okay, we're still not joined by our guests. Perhaps we will have to reschedule them. Um, but we, you know, we still have um, a little bit left in the program. Um, you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio. We're on at a new time. Uh, we try to do Sundays at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern time for a live broadcast. If something happens and we're not able to do a live broadcast, we will at least try to put out a podcast on the Black Talk Radio network uh also right now you know we just um last year wrapped up a fundraiser um we're always fundraising we're a, a very small nonprofit. we don't have a lot of revenue coming in we don't operate on the capitalist model um we pretty much operate the same way that national public radio uh operates or or public the public broadcast system that's pbs for television and what have you, and, and those um, media operations are primarily funded not by the government, not by corporations, although they do have corporate donors, um, but primarily by those who use those, uh, who watch, either watch PBS or listen to NPR on the radio. And so we're, we're in our, what, going on uh, into the 12th year of Black Talk Radio um, being around as a podcasting and digital radio 
platform. And the only way that we can continue to move forward or even expand on some of the stuff that we're already doing is if everyone who listens contributes. Um, you know, it doesn't, I understand that the demographic that this this station and uh, our platform targets, you know, we are on the bottom of the, the bottom of rung of the ladder when it comes to uh, economic resources. But if everybody gives just a little bit, considering how many people listen and consume the media, tens of thousands, if everybody just gave a little, then I wouldn't be stressing out, you know, if I'm going to be able to pay the bills month to month or if I'm going to be able to launch a new program or, or any kind of media project. So one of the ways that we attempt to fund our nonprofit, of course, you can make a PayPal donation through PayPal um, and it's tax deductible or you can take out a subscription. Uh, we're right now trying to get 2,000 members of our social media platform, btrcommunity.com, as well as an email subscription to uh, all the content that's posted on blacktalkradionetwork.com. And that subscription for both platforms will only cost you $24 a year. That's, that's $2 a month. If it's four weeks in the month, 50 cents a week. Come on, y'all. We got to do better in terms of funding the things that we say that we need and, in fact, that we are using. So we'll be back on the other side. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. And welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio uh, Network. Now, I don't have the phone number of our scheduled uh, guests, um, but we do have a caller on the line. Um, if you are a caller and you would like to speak, just hit star, star on your telephone keypad and that will unmute you. Otherwise, we'll assume that you're just a listener uh, who's calling in to listen by way of the telephone. Uh, Tag, do you know the first three of the uh, person? Yes. Yes. It would be uh, 413, and I, I believe that that is our guest on. Okay, so, let's see uh, if this if is Kendra. Is this Sister Kendra on this line? 
Yes. Okay, welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Um, Tag, if you want to take over this portion. Uh, definitely appreciate it, and uh, great that you were able to, to get on for the broadcast. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've been we've been uh, discussing and, and uh, working around uh, these questions for a minute now, uh, unfortunately. I'm sorry, I was cleaning. Oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. Well, it's, it's all good. I was just saying, you know, unfortunately, this, this has been going on for a minute now uh, with your fiance um, going through all of these travails and, and, and facing, you know, all sorts of repression inside of, inside of these facilities. So, uh, you know, just however, however much you would like to go into that, if you could just maybe for those who ha haven't heard thus far um, about you know what's been going on, um, and 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 what kind of uh, mistreatment uh, he he's been undergoing. If if you could just kind of start us off with that, with um, what's what's the latest with your fiance and and um, yeah. you know what what he's been he's, under. He's been in the tomb for like ten months now, almost a year exactly. Still going to court, back and forth to court, trying to beat the case. Um. We first started when they started stealing the money that he was sitting home. He had two jobs in the facility in the Manhattan Detention Center, and he was sending money home, but I wasn't getting him. And then I had to keep calling, keep calling. I called the social worker. I called the DOC. I called 311. Still nothing happened. They say that give them to up to 14 days to get back in contact with me. To this day, I have not heard from near person of DOC to, um, with these um, issues that I'm having. Then after that, they broke his jaw. The lady, one of the um, captains, maced him for no apparent reason. Just maced him. Him and another guy. They they broke. Then broke his jaw. They didn't even take him to the hospital. I wound up going to see him. I'm like, yo, what's up with your eyes? Your eyes are bloodshot red. I mean, it was blood clogs in his eyes. His jaw was way swollen. I'm like, have you gone to the doctor? And he was like, no. So when I got before when I, before I even got home, as soon as I left um they had detention center, I got on three one one immediately, and told them what was going on. They finally now this happened on the eighth. They sent them to the doctor, I believe, on the twenty third of November, before Thanksgiving. He went to the doctor. It was too late for them to even do anything with his jaw. So now he's back in the facility. They take him back to um they had detention center, which they weren't supposed to take him back because of the incident. They um was not giving him his pain medication, was not giving him his soft diet because the doctor did not want him to chew, um and basically not giving him his antibiotics. I called again the three one one. Still, they still haven't came called or sent a letter, email, nothing. Now it's going on, it's going on. So he finally got a civil attorney. The civil attorney goes um to the facility this past. Last Sunday, last Saturday to be exact, his um, attorney was going to see him. He has a new um, criminal attorney. Um, went to go see him. Um, he said he couldn't get in because of the, um, it was something, called the, his house, my fiance's house was locked on lockdown. But on the phone, my fiance is calling me and I hear the guard say, Stuart, you have a um, visit, a legal visit. So we hang up. Not even before, not even a minute after we hung up, his attorney calls me say, stating that um, he could not make, he's sitting down at dinner and he could not make it to see him because the house was on lockdown. I said, wait, hold up. I didn't even hang up the phone yet. 
And when you called and they taken him down to see you now, they say he said he left the building hours ago. Sunday morning at 10.03 a.m., my fiancé called me saying that the, the, um, the captain tried took him to somewhere in the facility that the cameras can't see and basically tried to set him up to be killed. The guy swung him but missed. It went on for a couple of minutes, and then the CO seen that the guy couldn't really handle my husband, so they broke it up. Next thing I know, on Monday, no, Sunday, they were moving him. Next thing I know now, he's in the hole. And don't know why he's in the hole, stating that. And then he had two seizures on top of this. They beat him up during the seizures, stating that he was on K2. The blood work came back, showing that he was not on any drugs whatsoever. And um, this is when now he's in the hole, because they said when he had a seizure, you know, being that they don't know how to handle the um, the um, inmates when they have seizures and stuff, when you wake up from a seizure, you're disoriented. So you must sit that person down, calm him down. They didn't calm him down. He didn't know what happened to him. So he started, you know, he pushed the guard out of his face. He's still disoriented. He's not knowing what's going on. So now he, they gave him two tickets. He went to go fight the ticket. They never went and gave him his hearing. So now he's in the hole for that. That seems very dangerous. Um, you know, I had a little brother. Um, he doesn't have him anymore, but he was epileptic. And he would have those seizures. And it's another guy, you know, I went to school with that just at any moment, you know, he could just fall out and go into a seizure. So it seems to me that that's putting a person who is prone to seizures in more danger when you put them in solitary confinement because there's no one there to say, hey, you know, this guy needs some help. And then they don't even know why he's getting these seizures. They never took him to the back to the hospital to do a casket, MRI, anything. All of a sudden now he's getting these seizures. He hasn't been, he's not known to get seizures. So now they haven't taken him to the MRI. He's in the hole. He's still not getting his soft diet. I'm like, why are you chewing? He's like, I can't starve myself. I have to eat something. I'm like, well, if your jaw get infected again, you know, they're going to have to wire you to put you under. He has, they, they missed two, um, um, up, um, how you say, follow-ups for his doctor's appointment for his jaw. It's like, it's ridiculous. Rikers Island, then when he got on Rikers Island, because they put him in the um, crazy house in Rikers Island, he had another seizure. The guard beat him up. The guard, the, um, guard that beat him up told him, I punched you so hard, you ain't even fall. I said, this is crazy. This is what goes on in these jails. Wow. So I'm like, this you, is bugged out that you would actually sit there and tell a person you punched them that hard that they come on, you're you're a CO. You have they have criminals watching over so called criminals. And so, then when you get there they treat you so bad. Rikers Allen is disgusting. So they need to really have, close that down. He didn't have a history and they need of, to retrain their officers. He didn't have a history of seizures before being incarcerated. No. So I'm wondering Before the jaw incident he did not have a, a, a he does not have a history of seizures. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that it sounds like, and I'm by no means a doctor or a medic or anything like that, but just using common sense, it sounds like he, in addition to his uh, jaw injury, uh, he suffered uh, a TBI, you know, a traumatic brain injury, possibly. Because it, he did have a gash. He had a gash on his head as well. When he broke the jaw, he had a big gash on his head. Because I, I, every time I go, I watch him. I look at him. Up and down, like, okay, why is that there? Why is that there? You know? And so, Ever since this happened with the jaw incident. 
So you're going through And I've reported it on several occasions, and still DOC has still not to get back in contact with me. It went so far to me calling the governor's office when I could, didn't speak to them all day Monday. I said, I want proof of life, because they had him still in MDC. And I'm like, well, they told us that they were moving him, me and the attorney. So I was like, I told the attorney, wait, don't call yet. I'm calling the governor's office. I want proof of life because I don't know what's going on. Y'all done did so many things to this man that I want proof of life. If I don't get proof of life, I'm going to the news because something has to be done with these um, officers. And they always put in the officers, oh, they don't do nothing. No, I, as a visitor, I see how they could antagonize these, these guys. These guys are going through a lot as it is already. Then to keep nitpicking, 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 like, it's ridiculous. You're not there to bully them. You're just a security guard to watch over them, make sure they don't harm themselves, don't harm the other inmates, but they, they make it go on and on and on and on. I'm like, how do the guard, and you can tell, I said they can't lie about the situation because all the courts are recorded. That man called you down for a legal visit, and your lawyer is sitting at dinner. So who's downstairs waiting for you? The lawyer had left hours ago. I mean the 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 level of criminality that we see and that and that you know we constantly get reports on uh, inside of, of these plantation environments is really you know it's just it, it's so beyond anything that they could be claiming that that heads are doing for them to even be put themselves in a position to to be overseeing people and caging people. I mean you know you were talking about how now now he's in the hole possibly behind a condition that was caused directly from him being in this environment in the first place, which just speaks to all of, all of the complete imbalance of, of what it is that we're talking about here. You know, as, as you've been pointing out, Brother Scotty, you know, through, through uh, uh, Sanders' new, uh, new position and, and plan with regard to these prisons. Yeah, prisoner we're talking about rights. Right, right. If we're talking about $80 billion going into uh, jails and incarceration, you know, and, and of course, we know if you really were to crunch those numbers, it's always far beyond, you know, what they're able to quote us. How on earth are, are the, not only the conditions so deplorable, but the level of medical attention so, so inadequate, so constantly, you know, heads are going in there and just getting, you know, perpetually worse in, 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 in all sorts of different ways. I'm, I'm wondering if you could just kind of, since, since you've, you've been there and you're visiting your fiance, could you, could you speak uh, a little bit further to the kinds of conditions, uh, particularly uh, with respect to, or with regard to these uh, solitary, uh, to solitary it's, confinement? Well, one right, because Alan, now the tombs is a little clean. I can say that the tombs, MDC is a little clean, but right, because Alan is disgusting. Things. I mean, it's mold all on the wall. Then they're wiping your hands. They, they wiping your hands with this thing they call the wand to see if you have any drugs or anything. Mind you, with this new, this new China thing going on with the, I forgot the name of the, the, the virus. You're wiping my hand. You're wiping her hand. You're wiping her hand. I asked the guard. I said, is that sanitized? He ignored me. So I said, let me go wash my hands first. Now, mind you, they got um, hand sanitizer dispensers on the wall. There's no hand sanitizers, sanitizers in there. None, none of the liquid is in there. So I went and washed my hands. As I'm sitting there, 
I see that this thing is filthy dirty. I say, and you are wiping my hands with this filthy thing so that I could go and touch my face without thinking and touch my face after you don't wipe my hands, not telling me, well, go wash your hands. This is my sanitizer. And I asked you, and you ignore me. I said, this is a shame. And it's not a white guard. It's a black guard. Half these guards are gang-affiliated because I know the guard that broke his, his jaw in MDC, the captain, the little Puerto Rican captain, Menendez or whatever her name is, she's gang-related. And they still had this woman um, um, assisting him to doctor's appointments, taking him to his visits. Why is she still there after this incident has happened? Why is she still around him? First of all, why is he still in that facility? You know, something that I, I've been thinking about, and, you know, I was in the military when my little brother was locked up, and so I wasn't really around to, um, you know, hear about the day-to-day -day things or any issues that he had to deal with, um, but I had issues in the U.S. military, though, to the point that, you know, I had to get my family members to contact my congressman. Now... I'm not comparing those who are incarcerated to those who are in the service because I know how society, oh, well, you was in the service and they was in jail and all this and that. But see, I don't I don't see it that way. I, I see it as as this is a human being who's being subject, subjected to inhumane conditions and treat and being mistreated uh, physically uh, as well as mentally, emotionally and, and what have you. I'm wondering if perhaps you might want to contact this congressperson, you know, and, and just to bring some heat on them because these prisoners, they're going to get counted in the sentence in the upcoming census in 2020. Um, those, when they get counted in the census, whatever county they're in, that's going to apportion not only resources, but political representation. Now, I know they don't have the right to vote, which Sanders does push for in the Prisoner's Bill of Rights, but these people are still their representatives. So I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering if anybody's ever tried to go that route, being that you tried everything else and, you know, you're not the first person to tell us, well, we went through the, the proper channels that set up for this and, you know, we're not getting... Uh, redress to our grievances. I, I'm just wondering. Yeah, if they're not. They're not getting back. They like 14 days. It's been uh, 10 months, five months, six months. When are you going to tell us what's going on? Then you put them in a hole, and they do this when they go get lawyers. When they start like now, his lawyer is fighting to see him because because we have a paid lawyer now. The paid lawyer is fighting to see him. I'm like, this makes no sense. I'm on a visit. I just went to see him the other day. We're on the visit, so I told the officer, I said, I'll leave. If his lawyer's here, I'll leave and let his lawyer come in. They told the lawyer that he refused the visit. I said, no, I will leave. If the lawyer's still, because he kept asking. They said he had two visits, a legal visit and my visit. I said, I will gladly leave because it's important that he speaks to his attorney. They went and told when I got, came out of Rikers Island of the visit, they told the attorney that he refused the visit. I had to tell the lawyer, no, he did not refuse the visit. I told them, if the lawyer is still here and he wants to see him, then let the lawyer go. I would have never came in. I would have went home. I could see him on any given day. It's, 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 either the lawyer goes, he needs to speak to his lawyer. The lawyer's going to tell me how his well-being is, and he needs to talk to him about his case. Let them, you know, let him speak to him. I can't do but much, but the lawyer can go further. He still has not yet to see his lawyer. 
and and just to clarify with the with the 14 days uh this you're you're referring to the inspector general with that yes the inspector general has not got back in contact with me <coughs> neither did the um the doc that the um governor office um transferred me to they still and, took their time. They still didn't show me proof of life. I had to get a, I said, if he don't call me by the night, I'm going down there to see him. And that's the only way that I knew he was okay because I went to see him. Other than that, he did not call me the whole day Monday. And I kept saying, I want proof of life. I even had to go as far with NBC and tell them that the feds was on the line with me. Everybody, she, now that they changed, this is when they changed it to where he was at, that he was in the hole. And this is where... Um, now, um, when I call the governor's office, everybody want to be friendly. No, I want proof of life. If I don't get proof of life, I'm going to put the feds back on the phone with her. Because I did call the feds. I did call the federal government. I called the fed, the FBI. I was not planning like this makes no sense. Because the same um, Sunday morning, he was like, like they was attacking him then. While he was on the phone with me, because the phone clicked. I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, they're attacking him now. I had to beg the lawyer to please go over and see what's going on. When the lawyer got there, they was like they was transferring him out. So it happened two days in a row that these people tried to set him up to be attacked. And these are guards. These are the people that we pay with our tax money to make sure that our loved ones that's in prison to watch over them, to make sure they're not hurting themselves, make sure they're not hurting anyone. But they're doing the hurting. They're bringing the drugs in. They're getting affiliated. They're bringing all this in. Because I don't see how y'all do all this searching with us that anybody's bringing anything into that facility, especially MDC, Rikers Island, too. How are y'all getting all these drugs in? No, check your check check home, check home, cause your guards are bringing them in. Your guards is bringing it in, cause we go through a lengthy search. And it also and then you got to go through the dogs and all that. If the dogs ain't sitting down, how is these people getting in in there? How is it? I don't see it. If you got dogs sniffing us, then you're then you're lying about these dogs sniffing out drugs. That's just proof to go. And people are getting anything on Rikers Island or NBC. These dogs are not trained well enough to sniff out drugs. Because how is it that they're still getting these drugs in this facility? In these facilities, your guards are bringing them in. Check your guards first. Question. No question, and it and it's rampant. It's rampant. And so it 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 just completely belies the the mythology that's put out constantly about why why you know slave patrollers and 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 these overseers need to be there and in full force and why they need to be able to just be as violent as they possibly can and and all of this that allegedly it's supposed to be protecting people when clearly the the protection is is for all of these all of this you know, completely uh, outlandish behavior that that they're getting away with because of the kind of protection that they're afforded by these government agencies and by the the media apparatus and 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 all down the line. Those that those that are protecting their interests, you know, through uh, their their access to force. I mean, from what you're saying, like let, let's be clear, we're talking about somebody who is still uh, awaiting trial. Is, is is he not? He he has not. Yes, he's still going back and forth to court. He hasn't been sentenced or anything. He's still going back and forth to court. I I say he's a detainee. You it, even when we were on the phone after his joint, he went this what when he went to Rikers Island to C ninety five. 
They beat up one of the guys. Now, C95 is the mental ward. Supposed to be the mental ward. These, you are supposed to be trained to, you are supposed to be trained to know how to handle these type of inmates. They are not. They beat the man so bad, I can hear the man banging on his ass. I'm on the phone banging on his cell because they beat him up for medical attention. Next thing I know, the phone shut off. When my husband called me back, the guy, I said, what happened? He said they shut it down because he tried to hang himself. He had to do all that to get mental, to get um, medical attention. That's crazy. This is someone's loved one. You mean to tell me y'all beat this man up, didn't take him, to, and he's, they, yo, they said his face was crazy. This man is in his cell. He literally had to hang himself for y'all to come and get this man. Serious? So how supposed a loved one of his, so of a person like this, supposed to feel that y'all doing it? And then y'all sit on these radio shows. Y'all sit on these these guards. Sit the guard, whatever that sh correction bureau, whatever that is, sits on these television shows in the news. Oh, because we're scared for this. Oh, y'all stopping this? No, they're stopping it. I'm glad they keep cutting right to that. But in the meantime, y'all still have jails, and these officers need to be retrained. They need to be retrained. They need to go through psychological psychological evaluation before they get into these jails. This and makes no sense if you're going to treat somebody like this. Just like when I went to go see him, another time recently I went to go see him, it was a fight outside of MDC. The officers don't have their body cam on. This girl is bleeding from head to toe. I'm like, officer, you are supposed to um, contain the, the, um, the area. You have people here. This girl is slinging her hand. Blood is very dangerous. We're taught in the medical field that you take blood as death. She's still waving her hand. So I'm like, officer, move her. And mind you, he's backing her up towards me. I said, if she gets any blood on me, I'm taking your name down. I'm suing you. And I'm acting as if you gave me AIDS because I don't know what she has. She can say she don't have nothing. She don't have to give me what she has. You, and mind you, the girl in front of me got blood all over her jacket. I said, see, this is what I'm talking about. Is your body cam on? Your body cam is not on. And you're not, you're not stealing off the situation. You have someone here sitting here bloody. I don't give a flying, excuse my French, fuck. Blood is dangerous. Any bodily fluid is dangerous. If you work in a medical field, any anything you're dealing with people, like the EMS, we are the first responders. You have you are trained to move that person away from everybody because she's bleeding. They had this woman sitting right in front of us. And it wasn't reported until I said something about it to the guards. Like, that was crazy to me. It goes beyond um, correctional. It's also NYPD, too. They looking at me like I'm crazy. If you get any blood on me, we're going to have a problem. Because you're not containing the situation. She's not supposed to be around us bleeding like that. Oh, it's just a little scratch. It can't be a scratch. She's dripping blood. He's like, what you want me to do about it? You're the first responder. You're a police officer. Until EMS get here, you handle that in situation. Y'all equipped for all of it. They took it as a joke. I said, see, this is why the system is screwed up now. This is why they think they can get away with anything because you guys come here and show them. Y'all don't show them how to do it the right way. Y'all show them all the way the wrongs. That's why our, our people's in there, our men in there are being abused. They're basically being abused because it starts right here. And it's sad. It's real sad, and no one is doing nothing about it. Just like with the Barbary case, they should have did something from there. Keep 
keep on their butts, keep on their butts. Some people behind there don't have loved ones like my, my fiance do to where we can complain and know what they're doing and who to complain to. Some people lose their lives, and then you like, why they lose their lives? And then want to blame it on that person or make them, and then say, oh, well, this guard did it, this guard did it. No. Retrain them. They're not trained them, and make them go through psychiatric evaluation. You're right, and it's just completely foul what you're describing and, and, and how, how they do so constantly. And it, it, it begs the question, you know, for, for many of them, you know, with that kind of mindset, with the, those kinds of approaches, can can such a, can such a person be retrained? You know, is 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 training Inspire able to them. Inspire them. Stop being scared of these unions. Inspire them, because you're causing somebody a life. They supposed to Thank be you. rehabilitating these people, not making them be more animals. And 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 that's that's precisely that's precisely it. You know, when you when you put it in those, it just it goes to the question of you know who in this society, if you will, or who, uh, with regard to how, how, uh, how we go about describing people, who, who is given that, that label of, of human, you know, speaking of human rights, who, who is seen as, as human enough or important enough as an individual, you know, not to, not to be exposed to certain kinds of abuses, and who is seen as just beneath beneath the level of, of being worth uh, our attention and worth the human rights that are that are uh, afforded to naturally to to all of us just just for being out here as you know as 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 born out here and and deserving you know that that kind of recognition and and you I know, wonder, so not I to cut you off I wonder do they have a mental health day to where is like in Massachusetts they they put in perspective a mental health day to where when you feel like some people go to you go to work, you go to work, you have home problems. Some people take their problems to work. I never did that. I let my home problems stay at home because work was a, a woosah for me. Some of these people go in with the attitude, whatever they, the, whatever's on their back, on their shoulder, they go in and they take it out on other people. Give these people, these guards, especially the um, correction officers, give them a mental health day. Some guards see and don't say nothing, but... Sometimes it's not called snitching. It's sometimes giving you a break because, mind you, that guard is going to make your day even harder. If you have to deal with a disoriented person that this guard made him rah-rah, he's got the world on his shoulders right now. He don't know how much time he's facing. But you come in with your problems from home or whatever's going on in your life, and then you feel like, oh, I'm going to take it out on them today and make them and screw their day up and just make them go crazy. Mind you, you're putting your officer, your fellow officer in harm. You're putting your fellow officer in harm. Someone take a mental health day. Go to the boss. It's no problem. He needs a mental health day. He needs a time, some time off. Because right now you're you're causing something that shouldn't be caused. And now you lose your job. You may lose your job, get caught out there, and lose your job. You think the city wants to pay because they didn't see it, but you were working close to this person and you're not saying anything? Come on. Just imagine if your family member was behind here. My grandmother always told me this. Just because you think that that's not happening to you, your foot is right out the door. 
You could do anything. You could walk out here, and you and all these officers are black officers, and you're not in your in your your uniform, and they can mistake in you. How many officers? Like when I lived in Harlem, I'm coming home from work. That officer that got killed on First Avenue, black. His name was the same um, Edwards. Go somebody breaking into his thing. They didn't know that man was an officer and killed him. Leaving PSA five. Right by the um, FDR drive, his car. Seen the guy breaking into it, and the undercover officer killed him. And this is another officer. So it can happen. It can happen. Something needs to be done. They need to make themselves aware. Mind you, correctional officers are only security guards. City paid security guards. Licensed to kill. So they need to think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just just to underline, you know, part of what you're saying, which is this question of heads on the inside, whether it be in, in these prisons or in jails, just being able to have a voice of some kind or another. You know, I, I appreciate greatly that you've been able to stay on top of them, you know, as much as possible to make sure that your fiance, you know, is, as you said, a proof of life. As you said, just making sure that that whatever kind of attention they they can actually provide, you know, um, is provided, and and staying on top of legal, et cetera. But as you say, not everyone has that, and even still, there there are so many instances where, you know, um, heads just have no way of getting of getting word out as to whether they're how they're doing, you know, what they're what they're suffering under, et cetera. So. Just appreciate your your describing what's going on and and helping to you know just just amplify uh, your your fiance's voice behind this because it's 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 so constantly needed. They do everything that they can to squelch uh, the voices of of those on the inside. And another thing, I feel that females should not work with men. Them little huggies down there, mm, it's ridiculous. They don't give them the time of day. I had two females. Two captains. And I don't even understand how these young girls that's younger than me are becoming captains. They're not, how do you say, professional enough or been on a job long enough to become captains. All they got to do is take a test and they become captains. They're not ready. They're little floozies. Come in. They want the guy to say, oh, yeah, you got a big butt, ma. They looking for attention. Put them in the women's jail. Put them on a secretary something. I don't feel that female should work with men. Mm-mm. Not in these little Rikers Island and all that, because them girls are whores. Sorry to say, I've watched. I've seen a few, two captains in the MDC just stare me down for no apparent reason. Even the one who broke his jaw, I had to tell her, sweetie, I'm not an inmate. I will have you lock the fuck up. Excuse my French. Size me up. She sized me up with the, as looks could kill, I would have been dead. I had to say, I'm not an inmate. I will have you locked up. It makes, yo, that system down there is crazy. i never seen nothing like it. Nothing like it in my life. Nothing like it. Just like in the court system. <clears throat> up here in Massachusetts, from the civil, the lowest court, you have to stand when that judge come in 
and you have to be seated when that um, officer said to be seated. In New York, they don't stand for the judge no more. The judge just be talking on his chambers. They're eating all in the courtrooms up here. They don't play that. They don't play that. They done lost their morality in New York. They done lost their mind. There's no respect for the judges. They don't have respect. So how do you think you're going to change a system that can't change itself? That's crazy. To the lowest court, even juvenile court, when that, that judge walk in, you have to stand. And there's no cell phones. There's no guards eating. There's no guards sitting there talking. You, they don't play that up here. I said, that's one thing I do give the Massachusetts. They guards look nice and formal, creased out, all of that in their courtroom. In New York, it looks a hot mess, a hot, funky mess. I said, oh, my goodness, I'm ashamed to say I come from here. So now I say I come from Massachusetts. It's a hot mess. It's a hot mess down there. So so for those of us uh, that are that are on here right now and, and for those who will peep out the, the podcast once it's up in the archives, you know uh, what? What can what can be done at this moment and and moving forward for your fiance? Um, we, the fundraiser link is is on the program notes for the broadcast tonight. Uh, what what is most needed as far as support from from those of us who who are on listening and and looking to support not only your fiance but you as well. Every knowing man that, that's uh, down you know, there. It's not only for him. It's for every man that's down there. Just no fight. Just fight, because it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's a headache to me. Like, it's draining to me. It's really draining that, like, this man hasn't, he's 45 years old. He's changed his life around. He's not in there fighting. He's not gang-related. He's not doing nothing. He's doing his, you know, he's waiting for his, his time at trial. When those are being quiet and sitting back and not bothering you, like I said, he has two jobs in there. He has it all, all, all up to now. He's getting in trouble. How? And it's not his fault. So to cover your guard stuff up, oh, let's put something on him. Let's put something on him. Then y'all saying he's refusing this, he's refusing that, but he's not refusing. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Just do your job. Do your job. It's nothing but a job. The job didn't ask for you. You asked for the job. If you don't like your job, you can easily change it. Even if it's your career, you can easily change it. If you're not happy at the job or career, Changing. I love working in the medical field. I have no complaint. That's what I love to do. If you don't want to be a correction officer, don't do it for the money. Do it because it's from your heart. But most people don't see it that way. Oh, I got to take this job. I'm going to sit there and hate it. Well, you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. But why make that next person miserable that's already going through misery? That's not fair. Well, greatly appreciate you as as always, and you know for your outlining all of this that's going on and updating us, and we'll certainly continue to stay in touch. And uh, please feel free to to reach out uh, whenever. And again, the the yeah. fundraising page is is up on the site on in the program notes. And uh, you know, just truly appreciate you. Hey, thanks, uh, Sister Kendra. I appreciate you guys too for listening because this has to stop. Yes, it does. It's our own people doing it to us. You can't say it's whitey. No, it's our own people. 
our well, own people. Well, the view that I take um, in terms of this new abolitionist uh, movement, I don't normally say things like this, but I don't see skin color. I see that uniform you're wearing. When it comes to slave catcher, a slave catcher is as a slave catcher does. And, and you're exactly right. You know, we while, you know, there is institutional racism in terms of, of the people who end up behind bars and what have you, but in terms of those working in the system to maintain the system, drawing a paycheck from the very system, they look just like us. They look just like us. Yep. So, you know, that to me, um, when, it, when it comes to uh, human rights, you know, I see the victim and I see those who are doing the victimizing. I don't care what their skin yeah. color is, their religion. I don't care if they're atheists. No, I'm I'm worried about what you're doing to other human beings. But um, anytime you need to come back on and give us an update, please uh, do so. And I'm I'm just glad that he has someone to stay on top of because you are exactly right. You know, when prisoners don't have any visitors or not even, you know, seeing uh, them on the phone talking to family members or friends or, or what have you, there are people who will single them out and target those individuals because they think nobody's nobody cares. And then, you know, even an example, when you have someone like you, they still doing you know, the dirt. So, you know, definitely yeah. we need to abolish these systems. All it's, right. it's crazy. I'm like, how do you treat somebody like that? Like, you you got to be real cold-hearted. You got to, oh, I can't see myself doing that to someone. I work with old people, and it happens in nursing homes. And I just, I'm like, you can't, I'll say something. Me, i say something. And I go to my supervisor, like, listen, you need to do something with her. Take her off the floor. That's why my old people love me. I can't even, some days when I was working, I couldn't even get off the floor. They're like, what are you still doing here? I got stopped by this patient. I got stopped by this patient to help them with this. I had to stop this patient. Like, it's you. Like I said, if you don't love the job, you have to love something to do something. I will never go into corrections. I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. I wouldn't go into something. I love healthcare. I love to help people. So I chose to work with elderly people, mental mental disability people, because those are the ones who need the help. I'm not going to go in there and abuse these people because I'm having a bad day. No, they cheer me up. When I'm going through my worst days when I was working, those were the ones who lifted me up. This feeling made me feel better, and whatever was going on at home didn't matter anymore. But most people go to work to abuse people, to take their frustrations out on people, and a lot of and it, and it happens a lot in the jail system. Yeah, in law enforcement. They steal from the, yeah, they steal from the inmates. Mind you, he was supposed to have gotten shorts. They didn't, they was giving him um, carnation milk. Who drinks carnation milk? But you see a guard with an insurer in his hand. Why is these guards getting what you're supposed to be giving to the inmates? It's real disgusting, yeah. but um, that's, that's above disgusting. Yeah. You getting paid all this money and yet stealing from us, the taxpayers, because we are paying for these people, these inmates, to get the care that they need. So we think, no, we're getting, we're paying for the guards to eat, and then they get on TV again and say, oh yeah, because this, that, and the third, they get fed well better than us. No, how? They're not giving it to them. Y'all eating it up. 
I even walked in the scene of recently when I left a guard with an insurance and I just shook my head like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I said something. And I don't care if you ain't like it. But I'm letting you aware I'm calling three one one as soon as I get out of here. As mm-hmm. soon as I get to my phone and I surely did. Mm-hmm. I'ma keep making these complaints. Until there's change, I'ma keep making them. They're there to be rehabilitated, not treated as the animals. Right. Right. Well, did you have any final thoughts as we wrap up our podcast for tonight? No, that's all. All right. Just keep up with the good fight to get these men, you know, I understand they done committed a crime, but ain't nobody God. Ain't none of us God. Yeah, but the majority of people in there, those things shouldn't even be a crime. You know, nonviolent right. drug crimes and what have you. Uh, that's a health issue. All right. So. Yeah. We have come to the end of our broadcast. I want to thank uh, Kendra for coming on and, and uh, sharing um, what's going on with her fiance, Al Fatah. Again, there is a link to the fundraising page uh, on Black Talk Radio Network for New Abolitionist Radio broadcast for February the 2nd, 2020. We'll be back next week on Sunday at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Be safe behind these enemy lines as best as you can. Peace and blessings to all. Land of the free it lies the home of the homeless Too many die every day and we really just want this Freedom